0: And welcome to it. Thanks for being with us here on Orioles Magic, the podcast presented by Miller Light. Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold with you. And Jeff, it's great to see you
1: with a little bit of a different background for some of our viewers right now for you. Where are you? In the woods? Well, I'm in Pennsylvania. This is still uh, where I've been doing the podcasts and other things that we're doing from. However, there was a little bit of a problem with my computer hard drive. I got a new one just before I left for spring training. The hard drive crashed, so I have to send it back to the person who provided it. And so I am actually relocated downstairs going off the iPad, which is mounted just to make it look a little bit better. And I'm sitting on a couple of different pairs of books right now um, to, to be a little bit, you know, to make it look a little bit better uh, as far as um, – appearance goes Uh, but uh you know my my butt's not too sore at this point and uh, i'm happy to be with you for another week of the podcast
0: (laughs) that does sound pretty uncomfortable i'm not gonna lie to you uh all right coming up as our guest today is uh someone you go back with many uh many years actually uh throughout his time in the orioles minor league system and that is stevie wilkerson interesting guy who you know is really like a swiss army knife the amount of things he can contribute to a big league roster
1: this is the way that he really was the second year that I saw him in Frederick. I mean, the first year, he was predominantly a second baseman, and then he placed in shortstop. And then it was year two where they began moving him all around the, the infield and the outfield. I mean, it's funny to, to, to think that last year he led the Orioles in total games played in center field when he made his lifetime, according to him, lifetime debut in the outfield – when he was with the Frederick Keys a couple of years ago. And I remember the first game he actually played in the outfield, which we talked a little bit about in this podcast. And he was playing in right field. The center fielder was Austin Hayes. And Wilkerson ended up making a diving catch in right field in the game. And, and also later on in the podcast, he talks a little bit about uh, playing a variety of different sports. Some he does left-handed, some he does right-handed. But he's a, he's a freak athlete who can play all over the diamond and who also uh, now has got his very own pitching glove, uh, something that he did not have uh, of his own last year. Clearly a freak athlete. That is a, a good way to describe
0: him. He goes through the litany of sports he plays and played, and someone who could have played college football uh, in a sports hotbed of Georgia uh, where he uh, really came of age, and then uh, to play ACC baseball, Clemson being a star there, and now making it to the big leagues. This is a guy with 10 home runs last year, Jeff. 10 runs, playing around the field, a switch hitter. But uh, we're going to also talk to him about his four pitching appearances last year, including one where he got the save, first position player ever to do so, earning a save in a 10-8 ball game against the Angels in Anaheim on July 25th, a game that went 16 innings and lasted for over six hours and 15 minutes, a marathon game where Wilkerson was the last man standing, and really
1: mowed down the heart of that angels order in the ninth inning or in the 16th inning. I should say the last guy who he retired is going to be in the hall of fame in Albert Pujols. And he's trying to retire Albert Pujols for the final out throwing a fastball or maybe as he would call it a breeze ball, no faster than 56 miles an hour. And I can understand to a degree why it might've been so tough for the angels hitters Because right before Wilkerson came on, they were staring at gas from Tanner Scott, who we know can reach 100 miles an hour or go over 100 miles an hour. And suddenly you're going from that to 53 to 56 miles an hour. I I don't think it's any surprise that um, maybe some of those those hitters, even a Hall of Famer, were held a little bit off balance.
0: And uh, this is no knock on Tanner, but in that game, Tanner blew the save, ends up getting the win. But he allows three runs in his one inning of work. And Wilkerson goes one, two, three in his one inning of work. And by the way, in the game, Wilkerson lowered his ERA to 2.25. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe he's trans- go to pitching full-time. No, but, but, but the, the, the thing is that – and I think most hitters would tell you this, and because it's so prevalent across the game today, which is everyone can hit velocity. Yeah. You know, pe- people can hit velocity. Trying to hit 56 miles an hour, like, good luck. Like thats It's that's just this. not in their timing mechanism. No, and he even said it in the podcast how he remembers when he would face position players in minor league games and how Wilkerson is like, I never did well against those types of players. So you go to major leaguers who all they're seeing is, especially at that time in the game, maybe not the 16th inning, but end of game, 95, 96, 100, and then suddenly you go to 55 miles an hour that's a that's a pretty tough margin to, to make up and, and maybe could explain why he went one, two, three, because he just kept throwing in strikes. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's get to it. On today's episode, Stevie Wilkerson.
0: And joining us right now on Orioles Magic, the podcast presented by Miller Lite is Orioles super-duper utility man, Stevie Wilkerson, who puts the uh, – Super in utility, man, given what he did last (laughs) season. Stevie, how are you holding up? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Everyone good? We're hanging in. We're hanging in. It's great to talk with you. Uh, Before we get rolling into baseball and everything else, we we do want to talk about uh, your four pitchy appearances last year, including becoming the first position player to earn a save in a 1-2-3-9th in Anaheim, California, last July, going through some uh, pretty notable hitters. Uh, Tell us about that experience and getting the ball in a 10-8 game. And closing it down like you were Mo Rivera.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, it was a wild game. I was uh, doing an interview a few weeks ago and talking about it a little bit, too. But um, up until the extra innings of that game, it was already pretty crazy. I I, uh, I botched the ball going back on it uh, on the warning track and kind of misplayed it a little bit and put us down by a couple runs, or a run, I think, and then. Um, the next inning in the eighth, I came back up and, and hit a game-tying double. So it was pretty, pretty wild before extra innings. And then, um, you know, we all know how the extra innings went for another two hours or something. And then, uh, you know, Hyder giving me the ball there at the end was uh, it was pretty special. It was awesome. And uh, it's almost even more fun to reminisce about. So, um, so yeah, man, it's an it unbelievable memory. When he gave you the ball, what did he tell you before you went out there? So we had, we had just run out of pitchers um, after Tanner came in um, throwing, you know, two innings for two consecutive nights, and we were completely out of arms. So when we came back into the dugout, um, he said, hey, you got the next inning. You good? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And, um, and at that time, the game was tied, and then VR comes up and hits the two-run jack, and, uh, and Hyder, I was on deck. I think I was about to hit, and then I came back in and uh he looked at me he's like you still got this i was like yeah bro let's go so um so yeah that's kind of how it went down but that's pretty cool
0: so you're throwing you know mid 50s okay uh what would be your if you you know were just throwing from a mound and wanted to throw it straight i mean if you were from center field trying to throw
2: someone out second base what's the velocity on that uh to be honest with you brad i'm not exactly sure um but I think I could run it up in the 80s somewhere, you know. I'm don't. I'm not i not going to hype myself up and say I can touch 90 or anything, but um, I think I could ramp it up a little bit in the mid-80s, something like that.
0: So what would you call that pitch that we saw uh, from you last year in Anaheim? Is that, is that a knuckleball?
2: I, I, I know you're trying to set me up for me to say I'm, something I'm silly here. but <laughs> um, No, I don't know. Gravity ball, breeze ball. Uh, you know, it's got a couple names. Um,
1: it does. I don't know.
2: Honestly – yeah, looking at it on video, it's kind of funny how it does move. But, um, no, honestly, I was just trying to float the ball over the plate. Um, I had warmed up a few pitches, like, before my first outing in the batting cages in the tunnel. And I was kind of just flipping them in there and just seeing if I could throw it over the plate. And that was working. So, I was like – that was kind of my approach, just just throw it over the plate. And I think it progressively got slower and slower when um, I kind of saw how – because I know how hard it is to hit against position players. It's brutal. Um, but – and the slower, the, the more difficult. So I was able to slow it down, slow it down. And then when I got to about 53, I think that's as
1: low as I could go, but yeah, that was kind of my approach to it. Is it true that Sevi called for a knuckleball too? Did, did he ask you to throw a knuckleball? I don't know if he called for it or not that game. I remember Chance calling
2: a changeup one time and I gripped the changeup and threw it and it was like five miles an hour faster than my fastball. So <laughs> uh, I think we just stuck to the no signs after that, but I'm sure some you, you know, he's a character. I'm sure he was throwing down a bunch of stuff.
0: So what is your uh, history in baseball pitching? I mean, were you, you know, a pitcher in little league, high school, college at all?
2: Yeah, I think the last time I threw legitimately one pitch in high school, uh, I got a double play ball, my bad. But um, but yeah, before that, I like, you know, Little League, I threw like everybody else, you know, everyone pitches then, But uh, no, no formal pitching history at all. Been about what? I don't know, 12 years since I had stepped on a mound before that, something like that. Maybe longer. I don't even
1: know. Whose glove were you using? Whose, whose pitcher's glove did you did you use, or did you just use another one of your gloves?
2: Yeah, no, actually, the first time I went out there, I wanted to at least act like, you know, fake it till you make it. I wanted to play the role and act like I was semi-legit, so I went back in the clubhouse, and I stole Jimmy Yacobonis's, uh extra pitching glove. And then after uh, after the game in Anaheim, he ended up giving it to me. So uh, So that's my go-to. Let's
0: hope, Stevie, you have a long big league career in front of you. You know, you've hit 10 big league home runs. You hit 10 home runs in a season. That's a that's a rare accomplishment for, for uh most professional baseball players when they get going. but do you think you'll tell that uh to your children one day or grandchildren or the fact you got Albert Pulhos out with basically the game on the line in the ninth inning?
2: Uh I think I'll tell, you know, tell them everything, but um hopefully I can do enough in my career to where the pitching will be the side note, not the, not the front note, but, um, you know, time will tell. So we'll see
1: how it goes. Okay. So you go two outs and then Pujols steps up to bat and you're throwing no harder than 56 miles an hour and a future hall of famer steps in the box. So what are you thinking at that point? Um, I was like, man, this is Albert Pujols, you know,
2: um, you know, it was really cool. Uh, I, at the time i think looking back i i you know think more about you know holy crap i was actually throwing a pool holes right there to get the last out of the game and uh looking back on it it's even crazier than at the time i was kind of just like okay yeah you know it's pools like i know that but at the same time like what i got's what i got i'm you know i'm not going to change anything here and um so yeah i was able to just float a couple more in there and um you know it was definitely it made it extra special for for, uh, you know, him to be the final out.
0: You mentioned, Stevie, that it's hard for position players, uh, for hitters to hit position players as pitchers. Why Why is it so difficult? What makes that such a challenge?
2: Uh, I think just because we're so accustomed to timing everything to, you know, nowadays hit close to 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. And... um, and when your moves and your mindset is set up for that, um I think for some guys more than others, it's just a lot more difficult to to adjust and be able to sit back and and uh hit those those you know position players when they throw um I know personally i have had 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 very little success against um you know facing position players in the minor leagues and stuff so um I don't know if that's part of it, and also it's just like. You know you look out there and you see a position player, and you're like, "Damn it, man like here we go. You know you know when you get out you're going to be even more frustrated than you know because you think you should be able to hit this guy, but um yeah, I think there's many factors, but it's uh it's definitely difficult
1: sort of in that vein, where did the nickname Doctor Poo Pooh originate from
2: I think Hyder honestly um. He said I dubbed myself Doctor Poo Poo, but I think when they asked me after the first game what I was throwing, I think I said I was throwing eighty poo, like you know, just basically saying I was throwing slow. And then uh, next thing I know, like someone was like, "What's Doctor Poo Poo?" I was like, "I don't know." And then I looked at Hider's interview, and he was put, he was saying, you know, I was calling myself Doctor Poo Poo. So I don't know. Legend has it that I came up with it, but I think it was Hyder. As you look back,
0: just to you know, how many positions you played last season, the big leagues. Is that a point of pride for you personally, Stevie?
2: It definitely is, actually. Um, I take a lot of pride in getting my work in and and being able to um, do whatever the team needs me to do, whatever position it is, whatever point in the game it is. So, um, you know, I think adding um, all those games in center field last year, um, you know, I was pretty proud of that, and especially not not having done that before at all, ever. Wow you know it was um it was rewarding to to know how much I worked at it out there, and then um you know I made some pretty pretty good progress fairly quickly um you know definitely at times you know I had to make some adjustments and had some learning curves of course but um but it's definitely um something I take a lot of pride in is to be able to you know play whatever position do what, whatever
1: I'm asked of. What was the most challenging aspect of, of playing center field for you? Because I remember your first game in the outfield in the minors and we were in Carolina. Right and field. Austin, yeah. Right field. And yeah. Austin Hayes was playing center field. That's right. And you fast forward a couple years and you're in the, the center of the outfield. You remember that diving play I made that game? That was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Actually
2: when, when Keith Bodie came up to me in the hotel lobby, um, we were about to get on the bus on the way over to the stadium. He told me I was playing right field and a couple guys were, you know, around me at the time too. And we kind of thought he was joking, honestly. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first time I had ever played outfield. Um, and then, you know, over the next couple of years, I filled in out there here and there, um, which finally led to last year where I primarily played out there. So pretty crazy.
0: What is your spring training preparation before, things were shut down when you were kind of giving up your time in in a practice setting or pregame setting infield outfield and even playing around both the infield and outfield.
2: Yeah. Um, I did most of my work in the infield. Um, you know, I think, um, with the new staff, um, they've seen me play outfield a lot more than they've seen me play infield. So, um, You know, I think they they would like to see me play infield a little more. Um, And even in spring training, it was like I would practice for, you know, 75 percent of the days at second, you know, or whatever in the infield and then come game time, you know, go and play outfield. Um, So it was it was definitely divvied up. But um, but since I had more time in the outfield last year, we definitely put a little more work in in the infield this spring training.
1: I think I asked you this in the Masson Spring broadcast that I did, but how many gloves do you have right now?
2: Mm, Mizuno
1: hooked it up this
2: year. Um, they even gave me a pitching glove too, so that was pretty funny. But <laughs> uh,
1: so you weren't I, joking uh, about it? You, you said you're like, it's like I got a new pitching glove and I'm practicing. Well, balls, so it's true. Okay, <laughs> it's true. I well, I asked them
2: for it and I thought they were going to shut me down, and then I got one. So um it's kind of cool but I don't know man I'm a I, like people are sneaker heads I'm a glove head I love I love gloves and breaking them in and having a bunch of different ones so I I don't even know 10 15 I don't, a ton <laughs> Steve you have more yeah. people asked you about pitching
0: and, and earning a save or that catch you made in right field final game of the season in Fenway Park
2: uh as of recently the pitching um I don't know if it's because like rebroadcasting games or you know whatever it is. But, um, but yeah, definitely lately, um, pitching, but the the catch was hot there for a little while.
1: (laughs) Did you, uh, when, I mean, you appeared in games a couple of different times on the mound. Did you ever talk to Doug Brocale, get some advice from him, talk to other pitchers (laughs) on the staff, like pick their brains at all? Or, or was it sort of just like, Hey, Stevie go in the game. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's give it a rip.
2: Definitely more. So more the latter. Um,
1: I think any conversations with with Doug, with Broke,
2: or um, any of the pitchers were more comical than anything. Um, and you know, guys joking around, like, "Oh, you make it look so easy," you know, and hyping me up a little bit. So now more of a comedic relief for everyone than than real conversation. Let's go back to last year offensively for you. Uh, the
0: ten home runs. Were you surprised by that number? Getting to that double digit number in, in a big
2: league season. Um. I don't know. I wasn't surprised about it. Um, yeah, I was proud of it, and I think I could have done better. Um, but, you know, hitting double-digit homers in the big leagues is definitely an accomplishment. And, um, and you know, yeah, like I said, I was proud of it. But, um, you know, as I've gone through it a little bit now and learned, um, you know, I think I could have done better. I think there's more in the tank. And, um, you know, I went through some – every year you're going to go through them. But, um, you know, I had a couple of tough months where it was like, I got off to a hot start and I think in May I hit, you know, four homers or something pretty early. And then after that, um, you know, a little more sporadic and, and my hard contact was more inconsistent. So, um, you know, as you play more, you learn more and, uh, be able to reflect on it and build on it. So, um, yeah, I guess I wasn't super surprised, but, um, but it was encouraging and, um, you know, it's encouraging to know that, that I am capable of, um, you know, performing at a, at a decent clip up there. And, um, and yeah, like I said, I think, I think I can
1: improve on that. Is the consistency tough because you're playing all these different positions. So you have to get your work in every day, someplace different. And then you also have to maintain two different swings as a, as a switch hitter. Did, did that maybe affect the consistency a little bit? Um, I think it was
2: tough to be consistent because it's baseball and it's really hard. And um, switch hitting is definitely um, extremely difficult. And especially, you know, looking back on last year, I didn't hit right-handed, you know, hardly at all hit well right-handed. And so I was putting a lot of time in into my swing, my right-handed swing and approach and, um, you know spent a lot of time thinking through things and working through things um so I don't really think that moving around defensively you know has any um ramifications on offensive performance I think you have plenty we spend a lot of time at the field you have plenty of time to to get all your work in so um so yeah I think it's just a matter of um learning and and making proper adjustments and um you know still still when you step between the lines that uh, you got to understand that it's all about competing and everything else has to be shut down. So, you know, it's all a learning process. Stevie, how much contact have you had
0: with teammates during this period and and how much are you looking to reach out and others reach out to you?
2: A good amount. Um, you know, mostly just because we're friends and stuff, but um, it's definitely good to keep up with everybody and um, see how everyone's doing, you know, make sure everyone's healthy and their families are healthy and stuff. And then, you know, just, uh, talk hypotheticals and um so we've all been you know keeping in we have a group chat and um you know at times it's busier than others but early on it was very busy but um now it's kind of just here and there and you know when
1: we have our team meetings and stuff but I think everyone you know keeps in contact pretty fairly often what's your your daily quarantine routine
2: yeah um well which it was kind of the reason I had to come back, um, to Arlington Heights from Sarasota. I, I stayed in Sarasota until the end of spring training and then for another, about a week, week longer than that. Um, but yeah, fortunately I have, um, access to my facility up here. Um, so it's, it's closed, but, um, you know, they're letting me do my training there and, and, you know, being, um, you know, making sure everything's cleaned after after we're out of there and all that. But, um, yeah, luckily I'm able to get all my training in, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday I do my strength stuff and then uh, baseball stuff afterwards. And then Tuesday, Thursday is more, um, you know, just baseball stuff. And then the weekends, sprinkling, you know, random stuff, hikes, bike rides. I actually haven't done much hiking yet, but I plan on it. Um, you know, just staying active, you know, on the weekends. So that's about it.
0: How many – Days, weeks, ABs, do you think you would need in a spring training 2.0 setting to, to really get ready for a big league season?
2: Um, that's a good question. I I think I could feel fairly comfortable rolling into the season after, you know, 30 ABs or so, um, maybe a few more. But um, yeah, I think a couple weeks of, of getting your legs back under you, just, um, you know, volume-wise of ground balls or, um, you know, outfield work, whatever it is, just I think definitely a couple of weeks to get your legs underneath you and conditioned and, um, you know, maybe 30 real at-bats and then, you know, standing in bullpens and stuff to to help with the timing. So somewhere around there, I guess. It's not like spring training and
0: however many weeks you were already in Florida didn't happen, right? I mean, no, it's been a mm-hmm. while. It's almost like a complete do-over at this point whenever it gets going again. But it's sure. not like it didn't happen, right? The the work it, that you got in, the practice you got in, that happened.
2: One hundred percent. And honestly, I think it was still extremely beneficial um, because you work on all these things on the off season, in the off season, and um, and when you take them into spring, you know the original plan is for everything to work, and you know particularly talking about hitting and ideas and techniques or whatever it is, um, you know you think everything's going to work, and then you get there and you say you know well this worked for me this didn't um so it was still extremely productive to have those at bats and have that um little you know introduction back into you know real games and stuff um and so i kind of took what worked from there and what didn't and then brought that um you know into the quarantine uh with me and uh, and worked on um you know, continue to work on what I think will, will work for me and um and kind of axed, you know, some of the things that uh proved to, to not work. So it was definitely beneficial
1: for sure. When you think about the possibility of playing baseball in twenty twenty without fans, uh what does that make you think?
2: Um a lot. Um I think I think there's some cool opportunities in there. Um, you know, I think more so this season than in previous seasons. Uh, a team with good chemistry and good morale, and um, and just a good cohesive group. You know, it might give you that edge that you need because you're not going to be able to feed off of the the crowd or or you know your what the accust- the fan base you're accustomed to. Um, so I think that there's definitely an opportunity for for you know teams to, to come together and and make a fun like it could be really fun doing this and you know it's it's all about that group and um and that's it so um, you know that's one thing and then um, I was watching the the UFC fights this weekend and you know it was totally different with you know the announcers no fans behind them when they're Um, when they're doing their little side bits, I don't know what they're called or whatever, but, um, but the production was still cool and it was still really entertaining. And so I think if baseball, if, and when we come back, there's, it's still going to be fun for viewers. Um, and I think for us, you know, we just want to play. So, um, so that's kind of how my stance on it. And, uh, Stevie also
0: Clemson, uh, your alma mater, uh, Tiger baseball, name some uh, big leaguers and professional ball players that you played with in your time at Clemson.
2: Yeah, I think right now we have five um, guys on big league rosters um, or, or five guys that were in the big leagues, five or six guys that were in the big leagues last year. Um, Mike Freeman with the Indians and Brad Miller, who's been with a few teams, Cardinals last year, Dom Leone, um, Stephen Duggar with the Giants, and Someone I'm forgetting for sure. Keeboom, Spencer Keeboom was with the Nationals last year. Um, hmm, I know there's another I'm forgetting. Uh, Daniel Gossett's had a lot of time in the big leagues. Um, and I was at Clemson with all those guys. So there's been a decent amount of guys uh, that I played with at Clemson that have seen some big league time. And I've always been curious about this too. Uh, So a
0: high level of collegiate baseball, let's say, you know, ACC, Pac 12, SEC kind of thing, w- does that have a. Equivalent a minor league level, like is that high? Totally. What is? What is that?
2: It's funny. Yeah, I knew you are gonna ask that. Um, it's it's funny. Like thinking back, because I remember after I got drafted and I was in Aberdeen. Um, I remember calling my dad and being like, "This is totally different. Like everything about this is different." and That was talking about the game itself, but also the environment and how you go about your work and everything like that it was just a total 360 um or 180 whatever the opposite is <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> it's quarantine don't worry about it <laughs> yeah but, um, I gotta start reading a little more again but um but, yeah I I guess I mean obviously it's a huge step up from high school so um I, I mean I don't know man yeah you can maybe compare it to like one of the a balls i would say okay um yeah like especially pitching wise i think i think when you go when you go to double a is when the pitching you know takes that next step um and all those guys probably would have done really well in the acc or whatever but um i guess that's the best comparison i could do i know that wasn't a great job but um yeah something like that
1: You have lots of great stories, um, but my favorite might be the story about how you learned slash decided to switch hit. Tell us the switch hitting story.
2: Mm, Way back.
1: Um, Okay. So
2: when I first picked up a baseball bat, I was playing t-ball in the church league. And my dad's a good athlete. He played, you know, four sports in high school, um, but none of them were baseball. So I pick up the bat, and um, it was one of our first practices. And he goes, "Why are you hitting on that side of the plate? Everybody else is hitting on the other side." And I was swinging lefty at the time, and everyone else was hitting righty, you know. So I was like, "All right, I don't know, you know, I'll I'll swing righty." And so I started hitting righty then, and basically hit righty all through the little leagues and everything. And then in eighth grade, I was working with um, a buddy in the neighborhood who was playing in the minor leagues for the Tigers at the time. He, he played college ball at Vanderbilt, and he was in the in the minor uh the Tiger system. And so I go over to his house. He had a little uh, batting cage in his backyard, and I started, you know, taking some lessons with him. And um, and one day I was just messing around. I'd been hitting righty for years, and I picked up the bat and took a couple of swings lefty. And he was a switch hitter, too. And he goes, man, he's like, that lefty swing looks better than your righty swing. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And so I'd mess around like every, you know, we'd still mainly work right-handed, but we worked left-handed a little bit too. And he, cause he thought something was there, you know? And so fast forward to high school, um, I thought I was at the time, I thought I was going to play football in college. It was my passion. I loved it. And, um, so the high school baseball season for me was basically just, you know, I played to have fun. And, um, so my first baseball season, um, I would kind of just go into tryouts and whatever side of the plate I hit better from in tryouts, I would just hit that way that year. So my freshman year I hit right-handed and then uh, I remember tryouts my sophomore year, I hit a couple doubles left-handed. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll hit left-handed this year. So I hit left-handed my sophomore year. And then I went back to right-handed my junior year. And then after my junior year, we won the state championship. And um, we had some other guys on my team. We were, we were a really good team. And we had some other guys that were getting some looks from some, you know, big colleges and, um, and you know, some pro scouts were there as well. So um, after my junior year, it was encouraged to me to, you know, I was encouraged to start switch hitting a little bit. So my, my senior year of high school, I finally started switch hitting. So a little and, abstract and, switch hitting story. But.
0: And, and your first uh, passion at the time or your passion
2: time was football. What position did you play? And yeah. could you have played in college? Yeah, I I played quarterback in high school. And, um, yeah, I, I could have played in college. I don't know how. You know, I don't know if I could have gone to Clemson. I don't know if that was in the cards. But,
1: um, but yeah, I had a little game. <laughs> okay, so you're switch hitter. You throw right-handed. Now, take us through all the sports that you play because, like, there's some things that you do right-handed and then there's some things that you've, you do left-handed. Sure. Um, Oh, yeah, I guess uh,
2: I played competitive tennis growing up, so I played that right-handed with a two-handed backhand, which is why I roll over so many balls to second base. <laughs> um, and then uh, and I played hockey, so I played hockey left-handed. I played roller hockey um, only till I was probably, like, 12 or so, but um, played roller hockey left-handed. What else did I play? Played football, tennis, uh, uh, What soccer. about golf? Yeah, what, really. Um, what about golf? What golf, about golf? I, yeah, I, uh, well, actually I used to hit my woods and my, my long irons right-handed. And then when I got around the green, I would switch over to left-handed because I had a little better touch left-handed with the wedges. So I'd switch over to left-handed and then I'd putt left-handed as well. But now I'm back to everything right-handed and i Honestly, you should just go out there with a straight blade putter and see what works for that day lefty or righty because neither of them have ever worked. So I'm uh, still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> it sounds like you're actually ambidextrous. I mean, there's no other way to
0: figure that out. But I'm not, though,
2: because you watch me try to throw a baseball or a football left-handed, and it's not – I look like Jeff. It's, it's not a thing. <laughs> it's not pretty.
1: Um,
2: What's your so golf I handicap, should... Stevie? <laughs> Hi, bro. Uh, I'm not. I I I look good out there. I wear a good kit and I got a good swing. But I walk out of there in triple digits.
0: You always have the look down. you would mastered that. I don't know about that,
2: but yeah.
0: Oh my. So God. That's it. That's
2: the that's the sports story.
0: Well, what's oh. the uh, lineage of the name Stevie and, and the big change that happened a year or two ago, officially?
2: Yeah. Um, actually. I came out of the womb as Stevie. My parents named me after Stevie Wonder because my mom's a musician. She's, she's been singing my whole life. And um, so, yeah, I was, named, I was named after Stevie Wonder. So I went by Stevie my whole life. And then uh, it was probably Jeff that wouldn't let me change it to Stevie well, in the minor well, leagues. And he said, well, "Oh, no, you Steve. That's not professional enough. <laughs> so, uh,
1: no, actually, well, story, I think that was – The story yeah. I remember is – the story I remember was the first year you came in, you were Steve. And then the second year you were in Frederick, you said, Hey, I'm I'm Stevie. And I, I thought you were kidding. Like I, I didn't I didn't take I didn't take you seriously. <laughs> That's and, then nice you up, bro. and then you explained and then you explained – well, I mean, you're you're, you're a funny guy. Yeah. so <laughs> so so you told me this story, and then I didn't think you were serious. And then you told me, and I was like, Oh, now it makes sense. So I think yeah, it was no, actually that year. So actually
2: what truth is, um what I just said about you not letting me change it, it was actually when I was in college. <laughs> I told the guy that did all our, you know, did what you guys do and, you know, our promoter and all that, um, stats guy, everything. Uh, I told him, I was like, can you put Stevie on the roster, please? Like, that's what everybody calls me. And then all of a sudden it's Steve on paper. I'm like, that's weird. And he's like, no, no, it's not professional. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't care. I'm like, whatever, you know, cool. So, um, So, yeah, it was Steve on paper in college. And then, I don't know, I guess. When I got to Pro Ball, it was like some years it was Steve, some years it was Stevie. And then when I finally got that sheet of paper where they ask you, they're like, What do you want your name to be? I'm like, Finally, you know? And I just put Stevie. And then they double checked with <laughs> me. They're like, You know you wrote Stevie, right? I'm like,
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, Not yeah, professional enough. Do do big I players know. get business cards? Do you guys get business <laughs> cards that you have to give out? Something like that, but they have our picture
2: on it and we're holding a bat. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> I think it's a good ball player's name too. I know it's a musician's name, obviously Thanks. the way it was used for you, but that's a ball player's name.
2: Yeah. I think I only know one other Stevie and it's a chick, but <laughs> Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Stevie Nicks.
1: Either way. It's a, a big one. Now, you said you couldn't sing before. Have you like worked to try and sing to kind of like live up to yeah. Stevie nah, Wonder that a little it, bit?
2: Jeff. That
1: <laughs> I I don't have the musical
2: talent, unfortunately. Does your mom still perform um she does every once in a while, yeah she does she sings like people still call her to sing for weddings or funerals, um stuff like that, but uh, and she still sings at the church too, so um but not in the band anymore. I think she stopped singing in the band when I was in high school, but um but growing up yeah she was in she was singing every weekend Fridays and Saturdays they'd have you know company gigs she she played in this uh in this jazz band in Atlanta, and then um she sang out in for a different band in, in San Diego where I was born before that. And, you know, all her life really. So it was, uh,
1: good. Now you got married in the season. Did she sing at your wedding?
2: No. Well, actually she sang. So yeah, we got married, um, in January, but she sang her and my uncle who, um, I literally grew up listening to them play the guitar and sing and, you know, just sitting around the house and everything. But, um, they sang, a song for us um at the rehearsal dinner and uh, i think everyone on the table at the table was in tears so um so you know we we had to do it that night and then um the night of the wedding we we had a dj we didn't have a live band so um so yeah we didn't we didn't have a karaoke hour or or a professional <laughs> hour so so she uh she sang for us the night before Well, congrats
0: on the uh, nuptials and uh, hopefully we're seeing Stevie, back on a ball field soon.
2: Yeah. And a pitcher's mound. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that.
0: (laughs) That's when we'll know we're really back when Stevie Wilkerson's (laughs) nailing games down the ninth inning. Yeah, something like that. Well, we appreciate it so much. Thanks, Stevie. Best health to your family.
2: Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed it. Stay safe.
0: That was a lot of fun with Stevie Wilkerson and you can just sense it. In the Orioles clubhouse, Jeff, he, he's kind of, I don't want to say the life of the party, that's cheesy, but uh, he's a guy people rally around. They
1: like to see his face. He's one of my favorite people in the game. And since I've gotten into this, uh, every time I go into the clubhouse, you, you never knew what you were going to get from him. You'd always find a way to make you laugh. And uh, that for me is, is one of the coolest things about having the opportunity that I now have with the Orioles is being to connect with the likes of. Stevie Wilkerson and Brandon Klein and Trey Mancini and all these other players that I've gotten to know over the years, and and Wilkerson is certainly one of my favorites because he is so much fun and he is the ultimate teammate. I mean, when I was when I was in Frederick, um, I, I heard our managers say this and and a couple other players say this too, which is we just want him to succeed because he roots for everybody on this team. He wants them to to be at their best, and and by association, he people want him to do his best and so I think that's what was kind of cool about him closing out that game picking up that that save because number one obviously it's, it's terrible to lose any game but especially a 16 inning game and then the fact that there's no pitching left somebody has to go out there and get a couple of outs they give him the ball and he says let's ride let's 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 make it happen he goes one two three and and now he'll be in the the Hall of Fame and go down in the, the baseball history books uh, for for all time so it, it's it's really cool and um, just the the way that he talked about the game in such entertaining terms and and watching all the things on a more serious side that he did last year playing all those different positions uh, going into double digits with home runs I mean it was last year was a, a pretty special year for for Stevie Wilkerson and and hopefully he'll get a chance to build off of that in, in 2020.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes him a commodity if you ask me in today's game to have that sort of versatility. Jeff, I know uh, throughout our many platforms with the Orioles, there's a lot of great content out there. Tell us about what's cooking right now.
1: Yeah, one of those is Birdland Insider. A new blog is available on Orioles.com. And like we said, it's called Birdland Insider. Insider content includes current and past Orioles magazine articles, photo essays curated by team photographers. There's some great photographs and though the ones that i've had a chance to look at uh q a's with players prospects spotlights and much more for updates visit orioles.com slash birdland insider or follow on twitter at birdland insider and i'm going to say from a personal perspective i check birdland insider every single week i read everything that is up there the content is great and it's it's also really cool for us to check some of it out uh, Brett, um, I saw Bill Stetka has done a little bit of work on this, and then some of the other great Orioles PR staffers have as well. Um, going back and looking at specific games or seasons, and uh, kind of fitting for us just because uh, a lot of the the podcast content that we have done so far has been looking at Orioles past, and and not only do you get to read about some of it, but you get to see some of the pictures as well, and and that's uh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. It's uh, really good content, and uh, next podcast episode for us Jeff dropping on Monday will be none other than number 22 Mr. Jim Palmer
1: yeah he uh, he's got quite a a history best Orioles pitcher of all time a hall of famer Um, I I listened to a podcast that he did maybe two three weeks ago uh, with Buster Olney and his recollection of literally pitch sequences and, and every little thing about the game continues to amaze me. It's, it's going to be fun to, to get to be on the same uh, team with him whenever we get underway. Uh, but I'm really excited about uh, getting an opportunity to, to talk to talk to him and, and hear some of his uh, stories uh, and also go into a little bit about that 1983 game where he got the win in relief.
0: Yeah, I believe uh, Steve Carlton uh, was the Phillies starter on that day. But uh, to get into that, and to get into his uh, incredible baseball journey and time with the Orioles, both as a player and in broadcasting. That will be a lot of fun come, coming up on Monday on this very podcast. Until then, for Jeff Arnold, I'm Brett Hollander. Thanks for being with us here on Orioles Magic, the podcast
1: presented by Miller Light.